Hello, hello. My name is Jess, and this is Patient POV. Um, as always, we're going to start with a little housekeeping. So um, first things first, you can find me on Instagram at Jess underscore and underscore Elda, E-L-D-A. Um, I've also started posting on a TikTok account, um, just some clips of the podcast episodes. So you can check that out at Patient POV. And this is, of course, on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. So I am so excited for you to listen to this podcast episode. Today is talking with Susan, who discusses quite a few things of which were really awesome. It was about, in particular, um, her ideas of things that have helped her, as well as how to manage when you are a little bit more nervous going into appointments. Um, she had provided some really good lines you can use towards the doctor before a medical procedure um, and just talking about the feelings that come along with those anxious feelings and, and, and that they're okay. And so I'll stop talking about that because you'll hear all about it very soon. Um, but it was a really great conversation. So I'm excited for you to listen to that. Um, I do want to say thank you for your patience in that I had taken another two-week break. I did two weeks during exam season and then um, two weeks over the holidays. I wasn't feeling my greatest and it was very busy with friends and family, which is important, but um, takes a lot of energy out of us. And so I do appreciate your patience with the halt in sending out um, episode recordings. So I am excited to jump back into things. Um, but like I said, super busy over the holidays, but back into the swing of things. I don't go back into school until the 15th. So I get an extra week off compared to most university students right now. Um, but yeah, I'm just enjoying getting to re-rest and get back into the swing of things. So anyways, I hope everyone had a safe and healthy holidays. I hope everyone has a healthy and good week ahead as well. Thanks so much. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, do you want to start just by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your health background? Yeah. So my name is Susan. I'm 31 years old. I grew up in LA and I now live in Oceanside with my husband, Ryan, and my dog, Bree, for a little more me background. And then for some health background, my health issues started when I was 18, right before I was supposed to start college. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease had a few pretty rough years dealing with stomach stuff. And then right when it seemed like that was kind of calming down, I started dealing with a lot of like chronic pelvic pain that I now have some diagnoses for, but it wasn't until within the last year that I figured any of that out. So it was a long stretch of just like not feeling good and not really having much of any idea why, which mm. is a frustrating place to be. So I'm happy sure. to have some answers now. I don't have all of them, but I'm happy to like have some at least. And have a direction. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's always a, a challenging um, thing to avenue or a challenging avenue to, to 
my words are not working today, but you know what I mean? Like that's always difficult when you're, you're balancing the non-diagnosis with the, the symptoms that you are actually experiencing. Exactly. You have to still try to manage your symptoms, but without the diagnosis, a lot of doctors are less likely to like want to prescribe you something that might help manage the symptoms or send you to physical therapy, you know, kind of what you need. It's a little bit hard when you don't have a diagnosis, you kind of get a lot of, well, you look fine to me. Like, I don't really know what you want me to do. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, So you're, you're speaking about being undiagnosed for a while, as well as being 18 when you first got diagnosed with Crohn's. Um, what yeah. has some of those challenges been that have come about with these chronic health conditions? Yeah, so it's been a stretch and I've had a lot, like you said, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different periods of diagnosis and undiagnosis. I think one big challenge I've had is I've had a lot, especially at the beginning, a lot of like medical trauma, a lot of being dismissed, a lot of being gaslit. And so I think that I could have had quite a few less years of chronic pain if my doctors would have believed me more at the beginning. I told you I was diagnosed with Crohn's right before I went to college. Then I went to college. I wasn't really responding to the treatment. I ended up in the hospital and two different really well-known whatever doctors both decided to undiagnose me with Crohn's and their new idea was that it was all psychosomatic and I was fine and it was all in my head. So they Mm. wanted anxiety meds. And so then my parents and I were like, okay, we're going to go back to LA. I'm going to take the year off. We're going to figure this out. But yeah, even from the beginning, just a lot of like, doctors not really believing me and therefore not wanting to help which was really hard I'm yeah. very fortunate within the last few years I now have a really really great team of doctors but took a long long time to get there so that was a challenge yeah for sure for sure and so when you're talking about this medical gaslighting the the, the bad experiences with these doctors how do you now go into a doctor's appointment and not be so concerned or are you concerned still about that happening so I would say that I've actually worked through this a fair bit like over time and I've even talked with my therapist about strategies to make me feel more comfortable so I think there's still like that little bit of me that every time I see a new provider is is like are they gonna believe me like am I gonna have to like jot out like random test results you know like what's gonna happen but for the most part I with the new provider I always have someone come with me Uh, my husband or one of my parents usually they can be there to like take notes to listen and also just to support me and help stand up for me or help you know just be a witness for whatever the situation is I think I'm older now which maybe just helps a little bit but I think I present myself a little bit better understandably I was very scared back then so I think I cried a lot during appointments and I was very like upset and so they were like oh this is your problem is that you're anxious and I'm like well I'm sad because you're not listening to me and I'm frustrated but I think I'm a little better at presenting myself in a way that's a little easier to engage with which I kind of wish that wasn't the case but you know that is the case I think I'm also just a lot more uh, comfortable boundaries like if I see a doctor now and I don't like them I'm like cool, I won't see you again. Whereas before it was like, oh, they're my doctor. Like I have to figure it out. You know, now I'm okay being like, no, I didn't like that. We'll find someone else. Like I need my doctor to actually like talk to me and respect me and all of that. And for procedures, I tell my doctors that it makes me feel more comfortable if they just would tell me like right before they're going to touch me, like what they're going to do. And that takes a lot of some of the procedure anxiety away as well. Yeah, no, those are really good techniques as well. Specifically, 
what you're saying about um, you don't have to stick with your doctor if they're not a good fit for you. I think that's not talked about enough at all. Um, and then the second one of, of those techniques of, well, can you just tell me what you're going to do before you do it is another great technique, which I don't think we, we talk about enough in, in terms of those different types of techniques. Are there any other techniques that you use when seeing a healthcare provider? Let me think. Those are definitely <laughs> some of the big ones. It yeah. took me a while to figure them out though. You know, it takes time. Yeah. Um, if not, that's okay too. Oh, the one other one I have with that I think of right now is that I come in now with like a note on my phone of like all my questions, like everything I want to ask, everything I'm coming and thinking about. I write down even like, I always have a note that I update to with like my diagnoses and my medications and all these things, because I do find that a lot of times in new appointments, I kind of like get brain fog or I get a little overwhelmed or like, especially if they're not being like super nice. I might like clam up a little or I don't know, it's not easy. So I find it's really helpful to look down and be like, oh, here are your seven questions. Like you need to hit these points. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a, another great one. I love that. Um, you were also mentioning previously um, that you have your parents as well as, did you say your husband? Um, mm -hmm. How has your support system changed over since you've been 18, I suppose? And how has that support been helpful or affected you? Oh my gosh, the support has been so helpful. I don't know where I would be without my support system. Like I would have made like no progress. I would be in so much pain. Like I would probably be like pretty miserable living in pain. And like, yeah, I don't like to think about that. I have, a, I'm very, very fortunate with my support system. So it started very much being like my parents when I was 18. That was a little bit of a harder time. I was supposed to go off to college and I did ended up in the hospital as we discussed, came home, which was certainly the right decision, but most of my friends were kind of off doing their thing in college. And that was a hard, I felt a little bit like abandoned a bit. I mean, understandably at the time they were all very busy, but they would just text me and be like, I had a lot of fun getting drunk at this party. And I was like, oh, I'm still sick. Nice to hear about that. It sounds fun, I guess. Like, so I had a couple good friends, but it was more like family at that time. And my sisters were there and our family dog was a really big support system at that time. I didn't used to be a dog person, particularly he and I were kind of like maybe acquaintances, I'd say. And then I was sick every day on the couch and he came and snuggled up and put his little chin over my knee and we just bonded and became best friends. And he made me feel so loved and comforted. And now I'm a huge dog lover. I'll like go down on the sidewalk to like say hi to some random dog or something. So that was definitely a help. And then over time, um, I've made a lot of really, especially in college, I made a lot of great friends, really, really strong support system. And since then I've added in a few more people along the way, which is great. And I met my husband in college as well. And since then he's been my support pretty much from the beginning. Like the first time we were talking on like our first hanging out time, I was, I like told him about my medical stuff, which was like kind of surprising because people I dated in the past I like hadn't told within like two or three months or something but I just felt really comfortable with him and I was kind of like well if he doesn't like it like there's nothing I can do about it you know it's here so he's been really great from the beginning and I think you definitely uh test a relationship when you're dealing with like chronic illness flares within the first few months but he's been really really good about it and I think recently as well I've started this Instagram, which is where I met you. And I've been getting a little more involved in the chronic illness community. So I'm meeting some people virtually. I'm doing a virtual support group. 
and a local support group actually. So I think now my community involves more people who uh, deal with kind of similar daily lives and health struggles as me, which is really nice. I had a great support before, but I think this is part of the support system that's like really rounding out. That's recently. awesome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, So you're talking about what we experience in a daily life. What does your daily life look like if you have some form of similarities? Indeed. Yeah, it certainly is day dependent, but I am unfortunately on long-term disability right now, but it is the right move for my symptoms because I do spend my day pretty much doing symptom management for the most part. Days definitely vary. I'll have a physical therapy appointment or two during the week, most weeks. Right now I'm sorting out a few insurance issues, but hopefully that will be back soon. But I'll get up and I'll do some stretching. My body always hurts a lot in the morning. I'll wear like a little ice pack. Um, I'll go on a walk with my dog, Bree, which is fun. It's really nice to get outside more than I was before. Um, I'll usually spend more time doing like ice packs. A lot of baths can help me with things. Um, these days I spend a little bit of time, um, during the day, like connecting with other chronic illness people, which is really nice. I try to schedule in a little time where I can like talk to friends or family. And if I can, I try to have a little fun activity in there as well. But it does end up being a lot of uh, dealing with pain and, and things. I do get to read a lot and I love reading and I, want to, I get to watch TV, which is also fun. So, you know, there's... Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I forgot to ask at the beginning of um, the recording is I try to ask every um, guest who comes on if you're reading or watching a movie or watching any TV shows right now that you are really into right now. And it does not have to be anything to do with chronic health or anything, but what are you watching right now? That's a good question. Okay. So my husband and I are watching Succession right now. Okay. We just finished season one. I think it's pretty good. I don't think either of us are like all in yet. I'm pretty happy watching more. He was kind of like, take it or leave it. But then when I said the other day, I was like, oh, I'll just finish it on my own. He was like, no, no, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. So we'll see if, what, if his opinion changes. Everyone's yeah. definitely not a great person. But, you know, something I like about TV and books is it just takes you out of your own life. It's very different. It's a nice distraction. You just think about other things. And so I can just think about, like, random, ruthless, like, business people for a while. Yeah, so for sure. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I that's kind of the thing, the the commonality between a lot of the people in this chronic health community that we're building is that we all can kind of bond over the fact that TV shows and books are kind of a, a nice escape from our reality. And so that's why I always like to hear what everyone's Absolutely. watching or reading and just for recommendations. Oh, same. I know I'm always looking for some as well. Are you yeah. watching or reading anything right now? Um, Right now I'm trying to start Gilmore Girls again, but Love because it. it's the fall um but uh I don't know it's my fourth or fifth time around and and I'm getting distracted and, and so I'm not getting into it this time around but I'm I'm gonna power through just because it's the fall time <laughs> it is a good fall show yeah I love film girls it's a great one yeah it really is yeah um so again you were mentioning the fact that you weren't always able to do the things that your friends were doing and so, and then also for the fact that you have now been dealing with these conditions for many, many years, um, how has your mental health played into all of this? Oh, 
I actually realize now that I haven't even told you what all my conditions were. Is that helpful to like go back? Sure. And- if you're comfortable <laughs> with that. Yeah, totally. Of course. Yeah. So this just to give context so everyone knows. So I said mm-hmm. I was diagnosed originally with like Crohn's and IBS back in like 2010-ish. Then I started having like a bunch of like pelvic floor hypertension and bladder pain that was interstitial cystitis. So it's kind of like cracks in the bladder, which causes a bunch of pain and stuff. And then within the last year, what I've learned is that overarching a lot of it, I think, is hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And then I probably, I'm very suspected to have like mast cell activation syndrome and POTS, which also make a lot of sense with my history. And I was just diagnosed with something called vestibulodynia, which is a pretty rare like condition that causes a lot of chronic pelvic pain so I'm hoping that now that we know I have this we can actually find some more effective treatments so yeah for sure for sure well thank you for sharing um yeah yeah and so and then just the one thing um for anyone who doesn't know what is Crohn's or how is that um Hmm. identified or different so Crohn's disease is um one of the two uh, irritable, in, sorry, inflammatory bowel syndromes, Crohn's and colitis. And so they both present like kind of similarly with like stomach pain, diarrhea, like issues with certain foods, things like that. And mine was at the beginning, very, very pain heavy, it seemed to confuse mm-hmm. my doctors that my main symptom was like pain. And then over time, I kind of developed all the rest of them. Yep. Yeah. And so um, just jumping back to the question then is with all these, because now you're saying more than just Crohn's, it was all of it. And how, how did your mental health play into it? If you're comfortable chatting about yeah. this? Yeah, I am comfortable now. A few years ago, I don't know if I would have been, but I am now. I think that I got really scared off just ever discussing my mental health because a few of the providers I saw in the first few years even without knowing anything about my mental health, we're just like, oh, it's anxiety, it's depression. And so I was like, oh my gosh, imagine if I actually had that, like they would never treat me. So I was like, very afraid to even like consider any of that for a while. And then as I've gotten older, as I've realized that there are some doctors who really can understand that there are two and that most people who do have medical issues like this do have mental health issues. And I think at times I've definitely struggled with both anxiety and depression. I think I'm more anxiety prone and I probably always have been, but just like, you know, a pretty high functioning type A perfectionist type student in school. Mm. And now I definitely have some of that, especially like medical anxiety now about like appointments and about procedures and like, you know, kind of what might happen and all of that. But I think that therapy has been really really helpful for me especially it took me even like a year with like my therapist now who's great it takes a long time to like really trust someone to go into everything you know it takes a while and it's hard work it's not always very fun but it's really really helped me deal with some of that I think that community has also really helped me a lot of at the beginning I just felt really alone and really isolated and like no one really understood me And so I feel like having more of a community now of people who deal with similar things and understand it. It's like, oh my gosh, wow. I now have a few people I could text if something happens and they'll be like, that's so annoying. Like that happens to me too. And I have a couple like in-person friends now who live nearby me with health issues. So it's kind of the same thing. One of my friends 
we go to the same CVS. So we've like gone to pick up our prescriptions together, which is really funny. But things like that, I feel like make you feel, it feels less scary and less isolating. And that's helped my mental health. I mean, I certainly would say mental health is still something I'm always working on. Right now we're trying to tweak a couple of my medicines. I've been a little bit anxiety prone lately, which is never particularly fun, but yeah, it comes in hand with all of this stuff. And it's something that you know, I'm kind of just managing and treating along with it all. Yeah, for sure. And so um, you have mentioned a few throughout um, our conversation, but are there any resources or techniques or anything you use either to help alleviate symptoms or to help alleviate um, any mental health struggles? Um, is there anything you do in particular? So I would say that I like meditating that helps me I don't do like super long meditations but even just putting on like a I don't know like a 10 minute guided one or like a 15 or something like that they can really help me and I've been trying to do them more before bed especially to help calm my brain my husband loves them too he falls asleep in like a minute whenever we do them (laughs) I think he likes it um so I think those are helpful I'm working on getting back into this, but journaling has really helped me. Sometimes it's helpful to just like write down everything that's like you're anxious about and then you can kind of like forget about it and move on or maybe not and then deal with it. But it can be very helpful to like work through and process things. I also think that um, we got our dog Bree this year and she's been really, really good for my mental health. Like it's just been really nice waking up every day and like she's there and she's so happy to see me and I have a little companion in the day and she gets me outside, which I think another one is seeing the sunshine every day, I think is really helpful for me. Like walking around a little bit and just like being outside and feeling the sun on my face, I think is important. And when I didn't have Bree, I tried my best, but it was definitely more like a few times a week, what, two-ish, two, three. And so it's, that's been really helpful as well. I would say um, therapy is a really, really good technique. For sure. <laughs> highly recommend it. Um, trying to think what else do I do? You mentioned, did you mention ice packs? Oh yeah, absolutely. So for symptoms, mm-hmm. I do a lot of like ice packs and hot pods. A lot of times I'll be doing like, I'm heating one area and like icing another area, but I find that very helpful, especially I have a lot of like tightness in certain muscles. And so I also do a lot of um, stretching and like physical therapy exercises, which help. I have like, I was sitting on it for a little bit before, but I just moved over like one of those big like exercise balls that I can sit on sometimes that that can be more helpful. And I like, that's a good one for stretching on. I find baths are like warm baths really relax my muscles and I think those are really, really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, All of this, like, I'm saying it's really helpful. Like it is, but it's like, it's kind of temporary. You know, it's not like fixing anything, but it's like having something to do, which is so much better than having nothing to do. And like, at least if you can get like a little relief, you're still like, oh, this is nice. Like I'm in the bath and it's a little better than before. And like, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not saying a, this is not a an encouragement of ice packs will solve yeah, all your exactly. problems. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but always always good to know what kind of tricks, tips, and tricks other people yeah. use as well to try to introduce them into our own lives to see if it'll help alleviate I anything. Agree. Yeah, it's really nice to share them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so just one other question would just be if somebody was going to be starting their 
or or feels like they're starting their health journey in terms of maybe they're going they're experiencing new symptoms or maybe they are realizing that they need to talk to their doctor or they are in the middle of getting this diagnosis process going. Um, do you have any words of encouragement or advice for them that you think would be helpful? So I would say, like, make sure you do enough research to inform yourself, especially like, usually the condition will have some kind of a website, like a big foundation that has their own website, like read something like that, know enough, because some doctors may not be great, but don't fall down the Google rabbit hole. Like it can get really scary. Like I definitely did that when I was first being diagnosed and that did not necessarily help me out very much. I do think that checking out like, like Instagram and patient groups and things like that can be really helpful. And you can ask some questions. I think that it's overwhelming and scary and helpful to remember that like, it's like that for everyone. And it takes some time to adjust. It's a huge lifestyle adjustment. And like, it's okay if you're like, anxious or depressed or angry like you should feel all these feelings and like there's nothing wrong with that and that when you get past that and when you're kind of ready like there are ways to build like a really nice life despite all these diagnoses it just might look different than what you imagined and it may take a little time to get there but it's not like a disaster you know it's not saying like you're not going to ever have like a happy life or a good life or anything like that but, you know, at the beginning, like, you're going to need your support system around you, you know, it's like easy to want to pull in when things get hard. But like, I would totally advise someone like, try their hardest to do the opposite and reach out because you're going to need like your family and friends and their help and all of that. And that it's a little bit less scary when you have people by your side. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I actually kind of lied. I have one last question for you. No problem. Uh, um, is uh, what made you want, you're now on Instagram a little more, mm -hmm. you mentioned, what made you want to become an advocate in the first place? And um, yeah, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. the big question. I love that question. So mm -hmm. the past like four years, especially since I've been on long-term disability, I've been like, a lot more sick but I've also seen like how difficult some of these processes are like I've already known about being like a young woman how difficult that is and like I was rejected so many times from long-term disability never would have gotten it if I didn't have like my parents help we had to hire a lawyer like I've just realized through this process that like I'm very privileged and a lot of this could have gone a lot differently for me and I'm very lucky and I want to do what I can to like share the knowledge I've acquired on the way and like pass that on to people who may not have like parents who are able to like learn all these things or do things like that. And it's important to me because it just like, it always hurts my heart when I start thinking about that, like all the other women out there who are like struggling to like find doctors who will believe them and struggling to like do, you know, get connected to all these things. So that is why I wanted to start that. I also did want to get more connected, like we were talking about with the chronic illness community. I thought it would be really nice to meet some more people who understand and kind of feel like more in tune with that side of myself. Like what I was sharing on Instagram wasn't feeling super authentic because I felt like I was leaving out like a big part of my life and that I, I would rather just kind of like share what was actually happening. Yeah, for sure. And where can everyone find you? Oh, everyone can find me at the chronic wanderer and it has dots in between. So the dot chronic dot wanderer. 
Perfect. Wonderful. Well, I do appreciate you coming on and, and joining me on my podcast today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I've never been on one. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but I had a lot of no. fun. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.